Psalm 66. And just leave your finger there. We'll look at one verse in Hebrews 10. You know, prayer is a sacred place. And it's sacred because we, we get to come before God and talk with Him, ask of Him, uh, inquire of Him, seek Him. It's a sacred place. Very sacred. It's a time we, we commune with God in a very special way. And at times we can go through the motions and if you're not careful, you're, you're not even intimate with God. You're not even waiting and watching. And the main reason could, could be the very thing that perhaps there are things that we are not considering in our lives that are sin that keeps us away from approaching God in that way. The Hebrew writer, if you want to look at chapter 10, look at verse 22. He says, let us draw near with a what? True heart. That means sincere, genuine, pure, and in full assurance of faith, believing, not doubting, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, making sure that we do not regard iniquity in our hearts. Now, the psalmist understood this. I want to give you several things tonight to consider. Number one, prayer must be practiced with a pure heart. With a pure heart. You don't want to get used to coming before God with an unclean, defiled heart, defiled conscience. If anything, you learn the habit of coming and speaking to God in a very repetitive, robotic way with no heart. It's dangerous ground to be in. Have a look at Psalm 66, verse 8. Notice the psalmist, what he says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? Hear me. Regard means if I see or perceive, if I perhaps know that there is something there, and I still come before the Lord, he will not hear me. He understands that sin is a great separator between him and God. If I have sin in my life, the Lord will not hear me. That's true. I think it's very important that we would, you know, be accustomed to asking the Lord from time to time, Lord, search me. Try me. Try my heart. Try. So I think it's a very healthy habit to get into, to be sensitive to sin in your life. I believe uh, it, it's something that will keep ourselves in check. Our motives coming before the Lord, checking your motives, it's an excellent spirit. It's a wonderful disposition to have before God, making sure that there isn't anything in the way. We can easily grow accustomed to being insensitive to things that God is trying to show us. And uh, we think that just coming before the Lord in prayer or coming in prayer meeting, just going through the motions, would excuse those things. But they don't. He says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord, he understood that if I have anything in my heart, if I see anything, I do not confess it, the Lord's not going to hear me. He understood that. He understood. And, uh, and so, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 
can't call on the Lord out of a pure heart if you have a defiled conscience or you have sin lingering in your life as small, as small, as, as, as little as it may be. As little as it may be. It doesn't matter what kind of sin it is. We see, I want to give you an example of this. Hold your finger in Psalm 66 and turn to Ezekiel 20, the elders of Israel trying to seek the Lord in their sinful state. You think that, you think that could happen? Absolutely. Have a look at Ezekiel chapter 20. I want to show you this quickly, just quickly. Ezekiel 20. And look at verses 1 to 4. And it came to pass in the seventh year, in the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, certain of the elders of Israel came to what? Inquire of the Lord and sat before me. Then came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, are ye come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord, I will not be inquired of by you. In other words, he said, I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to hear you. But aren't we supposed to inquire of the Lord? Isn't that something that the Lord wants us to do? But not in your sinful state. Not in your rebellious, rebellious attitude. Uh, have a look at uh, verse 4. Will thou judge them, son of man? Will thou judge them? Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers. Ezekiel was admonished by the Lord to do, show them their sin. That was the problem. It is absolutely absurd to think that you can come before the Lord in your sinful state. The Lord will not hear you. As a matter of fact, He will hear the cry of the repentant heart that wants to get right with God. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. But I want you to see verses 6 to 8. God always desired the best for his people. He said, in that day, I lifted up my hand upon them to bring them forth out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had aspired for them or sought out for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of the lands. This is what I wanted for them. I wanted the best for them. I wanted a land that was flowing with milk and honey. I wanted to lead them out of Egypt. I wanted good for them. But what did the Lord get time and time again? Bl blaming, accusing, a rebellious attitude to a God's appointed man and also to God. All he got was just spat in their face, spat in his face, spat in his face. Look at verse 7. Then said I unto them, cast ye away every man the abomination of his eyes and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abomination of their eyes, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom, among whom they were, in whose sight I had made myself known unto them in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt." These people were a bad example. Have a look at verse 27. They were a bad example to two classes of people. They were a bad example to the heathen and they were a bad example to their children. Therefore, son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me 
in that day they've committed a trespass against me. And look at verse 30. Wherefore saith unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord your God, Are ye polluted after the manner of your fathers, and commit ye whoredom after their abominations? Verse 31. For when ye offer your gifts, when ye make your sons to pass through the fire, and pollute yourselves with all your idols, even unto this day, and shall I, I be inquired of you, O house of Israel? As long as I live, saith the Lord, I will not be inquired of of by you. Up to this point, you are still rebellious and you want to seek me? And so, I think it's clear that the psalmist is saying that if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. Even the psalmist was sensitive to make an atonement for his sin. Have a look at uh, Psalm 66, look at verse 13. To 15. Have a look at this. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the increase of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. Come and hear, all ye, that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried, uh, sorry, uh, I cried, sorry, back it up, verse 13. I will go into the house. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, verse 14, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. And then he says, I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the increase of lambs. I will offer bullocks and goats. And so he was very sensitive to offer sacrifices, atonement, these things that God required. He was sensitive to his sin. And he understood that sin separates us from God and keeps, you know, God's ear from hearing our cry. Doesn't want to even know. Doesn't even want to hear us. We should be very careful that we don't approach the Holy of Holies with unclean hands. Second of all, prayer is practicing the presence of God. So we must practice prayer with a pure heart, but it's, prayer is practicing the presence of God. Have a look at verse 19 says, but verily God hath heard me. Praise God. <laughs> he heard him. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Now this will indicate to us that the psalmist was upright. God heard him. This will indicate to us that this was evidence that he hated sin, didn't want sin in his life. But it also demonstrates to us that he was sensitive not only to sin, but listen, to the very presence of God. He watched and waited for his prayer to be answered by God. Uh, what, you know what helps us keep, keep us sensitive to sin? You know what helps us? Being sensitive to God's presence. You know what James says, join on to God and he will what? But, okay, but if you want to join on to God, in order for God to join on to you and you practice his presence, aren't you supposed to cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded? Absolutely. To be sensitive to sin is to be sensitive to the presence of God and to be in the presence of God is to have our hands cleansed from sin and our hearts purified with pure water. He heard my cry. In other words, he was in tune with God. Man, this is a wonderful thing to have your prayers heard. It's a very indication that you are near to God 
Andrew Murray said, prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. God's voice is the most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that He will listen to mine. You pray expecting to be heard. Do you pray practicing the presence of God? Because that's what prayer is. Watching and waiting for your prayer to be heard, knowing that God will attend to your cry, to your voice. And from time after time after time, there are certain things that perhaps God will show you along the way that perhaps will be a hindrance to your prayer or God hearing you. And you know what? God will make it known to you. He'll make it very clear to you. Number three, prayer is practiced with praising God. Have a look at verse 20. He says, Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Blessed be God is praising here that's taking place. What's the psalmist praising God for? Two things. Number one, he's heard. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. My prayer has been heard. Number two, that his mercy was granted. God's favor was upon him. And he was absolutely, how can I say this, smitten by God's goodness. And the fact that God will hear him and God's grace will be upon him. It's almost like he cannot help but his heart would make a boast about God. You can see this flow through even from verse 1. But look at verse 17 and then we'll look at the whole kind of passage and how he praises God. Look, at, look what he says in verse 17. I cried unto him with my mouth and he was extolled with my tongue. So he cried unto the Lord and at the very same time he was magnified with his tongue. So there was prayer with praising. And you see this in Scripture. We ought to always come before God with our request, but also with thanksgiving. They go hand in hand. Praising God for His goodness. Praising God for His kindness. Praising God that He hears our cry. Or else you just come to God complaining. Sometimes your prayers, you know, when you know they're just prayer of complaint. And they're not really prayers of faith or pure from you know, you, you, you're doubting, you haven't come with full assurance, is when there's no praise in there. You can't praise God. You can't worship God. There's something taking place. Prayers must be mixed with praise. And what does he praise God for? Have a look at verse 1. Have a look at verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible, how awesome art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thy enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Look at verse 5. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible, awesome. He's, he's doing toward the children of men. Come, praise God for his work. Come and see. Throws them back to the power of God, delivering them from Egypt. He, you know, what's, what's he praising God for? Look at verse 6. What's he praising God for? The power of God over creation splits the sea into two. They walk on dry land. Praise God for his power over creation. He turned the sea into dry land. 
They went through the flood. This is redemption. The foot on foot. There did we rejoice in him. Short-lived some for some of them, wasn't it? Look at verse 7. Power over nations. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. O bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard. What else? Also, praising God for his power over the souls of men. Look at verse 9. Which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. He wasn't complaining. He was absolutely thankful. He wasn't blaming anyone. He wasn't blaming God. He wasn't accusing God. On the contrary, he was trying to get the whole world to see, the, 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 the heathen nations to see, the backsliding Israelites to see how good God is, how great God is. Come and see. And then in verse 16, he says, come and hear. Come and hear. Not only come and see and throws them back all the way to God's, uh, you know, mighty work in, of old, but also says, come and hear. I'll tell you about God. I'll testify about him. I'll show you how good he's been to me. Look at verse 16. Come and hear, all ye that fear God. And I will declare what he hath done for my soul. You know, God is not only a God over nations, but a God over individuals. Come. Come and sit and I'll show you how God has been good to me, even in captivity. Even in the times of those, you know, oppression, God is still good to me. Yeah, God was still good to Daniel. God was still good to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. God was still good to Moses. God was still good to individuals in the midst of a rebellious and crooked generation. God is still good and still working amongst souls, individuals, and still works today amongst souls and individuals. Come, sit. I'll tell you, come and sit, and I'll show you how good God is being good to me for 18 years, my friend. Failed me not. Answered prayer time and time and time again. Even in a wicked, wicked, unbelieving generation, God has been good to me. Come. And I'll hear and I'll talk. You hear, the psalmist is saying, God is a good God. Even in a wicked world, God is still God. And he's still at work in the souls of men. Isn't this wonderful? That you can even praise God in a wicked generation that doesn't seek after God, murmurs, haters of God. I sit down here and look at my children from morning and I praise God before them. I said, I don't want you to be heathen haters of God. Let me show you how to praise God. Let me show you how God has been good to me. Some of them just look at me like that. What's dad talking about? Yes. I want to be an example to them and testify about how good God is. Look at even in trouble, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of temptation, God is good. Yes. Thank God for a God like this. He's praising him in the midst of his prayer request. Now, but I want you to see in closing, again, we've we, we got to give time for praying, amen. 
Prayer is practiced with purpose. All right? What purpose, you might say, that the psalmist had in his petition? What was the purpose? I mean, he was praying for a purpose, correct? What was he asking God for? What was he crying out? What was he saying to God? Now, I'm assuming that the psalmist was crying out for deliverance in some sort. I'm not really sure. There's no specific thing that I see, but God imparting his mercy upon him. He said, God has heard me and he's, he's given me mercy. So I can only assume that whatever he was crying out for, he was crying for God's mercy or deliverance. But specifically, I do not know. But one thing is emphasized here. And you say, what is it? I believe this is the best part in prayer. One thing that is emphasized in relation to his request unto God in this psalm is this, that God heard him. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the psalmist was absolutely thrilled with the fact that he was walking with God and God heard him. Wow. What an absolute overwhelming part of prayer. That when my prayer is heard and answered, I know God's favor is upon me and he's hearing me and I'm walking with him and he's walking with me. Brothers and sisters, yes, thank God for answered prayer, but thank God for the God of prayer. That we can walk with him and he makes himself, listen, known unto us. Sometimes it's not even the prayer request. Sometimes God answers prayer to show himself strong and listen, lets us know that he's there. I remember when I first got saved, it was the 18th of December 2002, never forget it. It was about you know, 10 o'clock at night, maybe two weeks after that, two to three weeks, we, I went on a holiday to, to Hawaii. I won this holiday at work and we went as a group. And I remember I was just a little babe in Christ, a little babe in Christ. But I would start having a prayer life and thanking God and being aware of his presence. As little as I was, never got any teaching at all. I hadn't even gone to church at this point. But my relationship with God was right from when I got saved. We were just on talking terms and he was leading me along. And I can almost see it looking back. He was just holding me as like a just trying to help me walk. And there was one incident that had taken place when I was in Hawaii. I'll never forget it. Probably will never happen again to me. And I'm fine with that, but I always think back at that particular point where God, even as an infant, showed himself strong to me. Infant in the Lord, that is. I had these glasses that were sunnies, they were prescription, and I had them on my head like this. And I went to dive into the ocean, and I, didn't, I forgot that my sunglasses were on top of my head and I, I lost them in the ocean but I realized only a, a moments after that I'd lost them and so by then they would have been gone who knows where and so I started looking for them looking for them because without them they were, only, they were my only pair and I were, I'm very short-sighted like if I take these off I really can't I really don't know who you are there Marcus I really can't make up your face I'm very short-sighted and so I really needed them and um, 
and I was just searching for about an hour. My fiance at the time, I told her, please just run and go get me some snorkel gear. I need to find this. So she ran and purchased some snorkel gear. She got them back to me and I put them on and I was just searching. The sun was going down and I just couldn't find them. I went in and out of that water countless times and I just, you know what? I just thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and ask God to help me. And I, I, I remember that very clearly. I said, Lord, I said, I lost my glasses. I'm telling you, this is how I speak to the Lord, even now, when I'm, I'm alone. I said, Lord, I lost my glasses. And um, I know it's my fault. Uh, I, can, I can learn a lesson if you want me to learn a lesson to be very, you know, just to, I guess, be more responsible with my belongings. But would you help me find it? I'm just going to go and dip myself in one more time and would you help me find it? If I don't find it, it's okay. You don't have to. And um, I know that there are other things that are more important in hearing prayer. It's glasses. I'll just have to learn my lesson. But Lord, I'm just going to go in one more time. Just one more time and I'm out. I'm going to give up. Would you help me? And it was along those lines that I was communing with God like that, maybe three to four weeks in the faith. And I remember going for that dip and running my hand in the water. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating here. And God is my witness. It was like someone had placed those glasses in my hand. And I couldn't believe it. Because I was just going like this. And, mate, I, I just jumped out of the water. I said, and it, it wasn't about the glasses. Like, I couldn't care less about the glasses. It was about, God heard my, my, I can't believe it. I'm running, I'm running back to tell my fiance at the time. I said, you wouldn't believe what had happened. I told her everything that I said to God. And she's just looking at me like, yeah, okay. You know, like, and you know what happened? Moments after, as I was trying to, I was baffled. I was in awe. That was the very first time I experienced an answer to prayer. And it, I didn't care. It's not about the glasses. It wasn't about the glasses. It was God showing himself strong and known to me for other areas in my life. That wasn't it. It didn't end there. Just trying to explain to my fiance what had taken place. And all of a sudden, these two people come up to me. Now, back then, I was still young in the Lord, so modesty was, was out the window. I was still learning about that. I had my shirt off. I had tattoos. I was, you know, it was just, and these, you know, a bit rough, and these people still approached me, elderly people. And they said, excuse me, I hope you don't mind, but we were just sitting over there. And so I was sitting over there for a very long time because I was looking for my glasses for a very long time. And they said, we saw you lose your glasses. I said, okay. And he says, we prayed for you. I thought, oh, and I got goosebumps. You know, get goosebumps. I got goosebumps from toe to head and head to toe. And I said, did you hear this? I looked at my fiance, did, and I was trying to reach her at the time. I wanted her to know this God, and it just went over her head. And sometimes I wonder if these were angels unawares. Like, who sits there waiting for me to find my glasses? I mean, they're just glasses, man. You know, so sometimes I just think, you know, who are these people? Where they come from? And, uh, and God was just making himself known. 
and I, and I just throw myself back at that particular point, how God heard my cry and heard my prayer and showed mercy. And I believe this is the most overwhelming part of prayer. Yes, having, your answer, having prayer answers is beautiful. Pray, thank you, Lord. But having your prayers heard by God, you're hearing me. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Thank you, Lord. And that just shows you just keep walking, just keep going. Just keep praising. Don't have iniquity in your heart. Be sensitive to sin. Listen, be sensitive to my presence and be sensitive to praise me.